Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. What I'd like to do this morning is read the last verse of Exodus chapter 1 and the first 10 verses of chapter 2. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when they saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go? And call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. I'd like to speak this morning on the subject, a tale of two mothers. Last year at this time, we looked at the life of Mary, some of the examples she provided as a godly woman. So I'd like to today look at an Old Testament mother. In fact, a mother of one of the greatest figures in all of Jewish history. This is the story of Jochebed, Moses' mother. Now, the Bible places a great deal of emphasis on godly mothers and the tremendous spiritual contribution they can render both in home, in life, and in nation. Praise the hand that rocks the cradle, rules the nation, has proven to be true a countless number of times. And uh, consider some statements by some noteworthy historical figures. George Washington, first president of the United States, said the future of our country depends upon the Christian training of our youth. Lord Shaftesbury of England said, give me a generation of Christian mothers and I will undertake to change the face of English society in 12 months. And Napoleon Bonaparte said, let France have good mothers and she will have good sons. Yes, mothers have instilled character in the children they have raised, who have gone on to have a tremendous impact on the world. But there's also an emphasis that needs to be made on the spiritual impact godly mothers have on their children. It was Gypsy Smith who said, if we are ever to beat the devil, we must beat him with the cradle. John Greenleaf Whittier wrote, and weary seekers of the best... We come back laden from our quest to find that all the sages said 
is in the book our mothers read. How appropriate. Thank the Lord for godly mothers. This passage covers the birth of Moses and it focuses upon his mother. It tells us how she saved him from being killed when he was an infant and how she trusted God to care for him during those first three months that she hid them, hid him, and then also how she trusted God to care for him when she had to release him. I'd like us to consider not only Moses' birth mother, but his adoptive mother, as we look at this passage in light of two mothers with this one child. First of all, let's consider Moses and his parents, his mother and his father. Moses was protected by his parents. We see that in verses uh, uh, 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 2, and there went a man from the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, And a woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Two things we notice about these verses. First, she protected him when she received him from the Lord. Imagine the uneasiness of that day. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. They were under the control of the Pharaoh. They were being used as slaves to build the cities of the Pharaoh's bidding. And they, were, they had little freedom. A decree had been made because the Jews had multiplied so greatly that any male child was to be killed. He was to be thrown into the river Nile. Now you think about the uneasiness of any woman, any married woman during that time, and the difficulty that she faced. What about this situation? Jochebed learned one day she was pregnant. What would have gone through her mind? What if my baby's a boy? What will I do? What's going to happen? Well, month after month, her and her husband waited waited and waited for the time when their child should be born. And finally that day came and their worst fears had been met. The baby was a boy. What did she do? Well, what she did was a very courageous thing. She hid the child for three months. The scripture indicates she defied the command of Pharaoh and she resisted the forces of evil at work in that day. Why? What would make her risk her own life for the safety of her child? The same thing that drives many mothers today. Love, responsibility, the sanctity of life. How very different from the attitude of many today who see a child in a mother's womb as nothing more than a meaningless fetus, a collection of flesh taking up space. What is amazing that lawmakers in our land are now pushing for legislation that will give women the right to abort their child all the way up till the time of birth and even after the time of birth. Can you imagine A child being born into this world and for a mother to say, I don't want him. I don't want her. And in their thinking, that's not yet a child. Twisted, twisted minds. The far left. 
the worldly philosophy today is counter to that what we see in Scripture. For the Bible tells us, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. We believe life begins at conception. This woman in the Old Testament believed that very thing. And I believe that from the time she recognized, realized she was pregnant, she prayed and asked God for wisdom and asked God to help, not only in the development of that child, but in the birth. And she probably asked that God would allow her to have a girl. But if she had a boy, no doubt she sought the Lord's help. A little bit about her family. Moses was their third child. Miriam was the oldest of the three children. Miriam could have been 13 to 16 years old when Moses was born. We see that in Exodus chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. We already read that. We're not going to back, go back over it again. But uh, Moses also had an older brother. That was Aaron. Aaron was three years his elder. We see that in Exodus chapter 7, verse 7. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. So Moses, 80 years old when he appeared to Pharaoh later in the book of Exodus, and his older brother accompanied him, Aaron, and Aaron was 83. But you can only imagine what went through Moses' mother's mind when she realized she had given birth to a boy. God, why a boy? Why did our family have to live in such a dangerous place? How did we end up with an evil ruler like this Pharaoh? And then as time went on, how long, Lord, can I keep hiding our baby? What can I do to save his life? These and many other things, no doubt, went through her mind. And the point is this. She was a courageous woman. She was a righteous woman. She was a woman who trusted God and did what she believed to be the right thing to do. What's interesting is, it says when she looked at her child and she saw that he was a goodly child. You know, the text doesn't really tell us what about him was goodly. The word goodly is used here in this context in the abstract sense and means desirable, pleasant, or beautiful. Well, I'm sure a lot of moms at that time felt their child was pleasant, was beautiful, was desirable. What was it about this baby? We don't know. We can speculate, but there's no need to. We simply understand there was something special about this child, and God spoke to her heart, this mother, about doing what she could to protect this baby and his life. And she did exactly that. For those first three months of his life, she did everything she could to hide him from the Pharaoh's men. Because no doubt, they would have had periodic patrols going through the streets, maybe house-to-house searches, just in case. So you think of the, the level of danger that was in play here. But she did what she could to protect him when she received him from the Lord. Then we note this passage also teaches us she did what she could when she released him back to the Lord. For when she had that little basket made and daubed it within and without with with pitch, that was for the purpose of making it watertight, and she put her baby in that basket and then set him afloat 
on that river. Can you imagine anything so difficult for a mother to do? This would not be the same pain that a woman would experience as a result of a miscarriage. That is a very painful, emotional ordeal for a mother. This is not the same as a woman who's lost a child, whose child was stillborn at birth. Again, a very painful experience. But this was a mom who had the opportunity and the privilege and the joy of holding that baby in her arms for the first three months of his life. And then all of a sudden, she has to say goodbye. How difficult that must have been. But we note in verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with slime with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. She gave him back to the Lord. She said, God, I've done everything I can do to protect him to this point. Now I'm trusting you to do the same. Who knows what could have happened in that situation? There could have been a failure in the way she waterproofed the thing, and he could have sunken and and drowned. He could have been attacked by some animal, wild animal that was in the river. He could have just floated on down and not been found by anybody and starved to death. How amazing that the hand of God, he caused that little boat, that little ark to drift over toward where the Pharaoh's daughter was by the river. And as a result, she found him. And she took him in. She took him to her own. You know, this was a great act of faith on the part of this woman. And so much so that in Hebrews eleven twenty three, we find Moses' mother is included in the great hall of faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Some might say, well, I don't think it was that smart a move to make. Why didn't they try to leave? Nobody escaped the land of Egypt at this time. Nobody could get away. Though it was an odd move, we see this was the best decision she could make. You know, wisdom and faith are two qualities needed by everyone, but especially moms. You don't know what's ahead for your children as you were bringing them up. You remember the times when they were little and you would think, I wonder what their voice is going to sound like. I wonder how they're going to look as they get older. I wonder what they're going to like and to do. Well, it's because we don't know. That's out in the future. And to have to trust the Lord to take care of our children as they get older, as they get out in the future, as they're no longer under our care. This was the case in this situation. She had to let Moses go and let the Lord take over. Now, granted, no mother, normal mother would release her child into life at three months of age. But somewhere along the way, you've got to say goodbye. Moms, you remember your first day taking your child to kindergarten? There's generally more tears outside the classroom than they are inside. Or how about when your son or daughter graduated from high school? When you dropped them off at college? When they got married? Little stages along the way where you see them growing up and maturing and becoming that man or woman that God wants them to be. 
you have to be willing to let go and say, Lord, I leave them to your care. Moms, you do the best to train them, to teach them, to prepare them, to help them, to get them on their way. But you have to let go. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. We can't make our children be what we want them to be. Moms, you can't make your children turn out the way you want. And by the way, grandparents, you have to understand that your son, your daughter, is raising your grandchildren, and they're doing it based on what they believe to be right and best. Don't be that busybody that even though you let go of your son or your daughter, you're not willing to let go of your grandchildren. You have to let the Lord work in their lives. Trust God to grant direction. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Scripture says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You don't know what to do? God will show you. God will help you to understand. Time comes when you have to let go. And we see that's exactly what she did. Moses' mother protected him when she received him from the Lord. She protected him when she gave him back to the Lord. But she also prepared him. Verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, this is his mother, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. That's one of the, one, an amazing verse in this passage of scripture. It's a little bit humorous. Moms, she was paid to be a mother. How many of you ladies think, I tell you what, I got the short end of the deal when it comes to that. I mean, I worked my fingers to the bone. I was up day and night, long hours, difficulty, dealing with sickness, dealing with all kinds of things. I didn't get paid for that. Well, you did. Just indifferent remuneration. But uh, here, Moses' mother had the opportunity to teach him while he was growing up. How long, we don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. But uh, first of all, it was not uncommon for aristocrats, somebody in, in a position of prominence, to hire someone to be a nursemaid to their child. It was not unusual. And back then, the time for weaning was usually between three and in some cases five years. So no doubt. Jochebed had the opportunity to spend time with Moses for at least three years and maybe longer, and it's likely that she had an opportunity to interact with Moses while he was growing up. We don't know that, but we'd certainly suspect that be the case. But think about this, Mom. The joy she had of being able to speak to her child and to teach him as he grew up, as he learned to speak, as he learned to walk, as he learned to start uh, using his motor skills and things like that. She had the privilege of seeing that. Every other Hebrew woman of her day who gave birth to a boy did not experience that joy. She was greatly privileged in this regard. And I believe she took the opportunity. She took advantage of that opportunity and did her best to teach him as much as she possibly could. We see that because Moses never got away from the fact that he was a Hebrew. He couldn't get away from what he learned as a child. You know, the scripture tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. Proverbs 31, verse 1, the words of King Lemuel 
the prophecy that his mother taught him. Oh, godly moms, it's so very important to teach your children the truth of the word of God. Grandmothers, what an opportunity you have to impact your grandchildren for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what took place in the life of Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul wrote, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. And then later he wrote, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Godly moms need to teach their children the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when, and when thou raisest up. Many today don't have this same philosophy that we see in Scripture But Psalm 127 verse 3 tells us, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. What a joy it is for a mom to raise children to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. While we see Moses in the hands of Jochebed, we also see Moses in the presence of uh, the princess. And uh, she's the one that rescued Moses. We know the story. She was walking down by the water. She, she saw this basket. She had her, her maidservant get it, bring it to her, opened it up, and there was Moses in there. And she immediately had compassion on him. What's interesting, it's not exactly the same wording, but it's the same idea. Jochebed, when she first saw Moses, she saw he was a goodly child. The princess, when she first saw him, she had compassion on him. There was something special about this child that these ladies were drawn to. And even though this was not his biological mother, she became his adoptive mother. And Moses was raised as daughter to the princess, as grandson to Pharaoh. He became a child of privilege. The contrast here, Jochebed gave Moses her heart. The princess gave Moses everything materially she could possibly give him. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He had been trained in the Temple of the Sun, which was the outstanding university of the day. So his training would have included literature, scribal arts, warfare, science, foreign languages, diplomacy, and engineering. He was being honed and groomed to be a great leader in the land of Egypt. But there's an amazing fact about his early years. Other than what we see written in our reading this morning, nothing else in the Old Testament is written about Moses' childhood. His young years. In fact, nothing is written about his first 40 years in Egypt. The only passage that mentions those years is Acts chapter 7, verses 20 through 29. I'm not going to read all of that, but I mention it so you can come back to it later. But it does say this, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. 
And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. 40 years. Almost nothing is said. Have you ever wondered why? Maybe it's because there wasn't anything all that important that happened into his, in his life that the Lord wants us to be aware of. What God did want us to catch was at the age 40, he decided to visit his brethren Israel. He was drawn back to the instruction of his mother. This is significant because all the years he spent in, a, in the courts of Pharaoh, raised an Egyptian, he was trained by the best. He ended up looking like an Egyptian, talking like one. He acted like an Egyptian, and he was recognized as an Egyptian. But what he learned in the palace couldn't match what he learned in his father's home at the hand of his mother. Moms, grandmothers, parents, we might desire to give our children everything that we didn't have when we were young and growing up. And that's the goal of many. They say, well, I, when, I'm, when I have children, I want to give them things I never had. I want them to have a better life than I did. I want them to have an easier life than I did. That's not always the best plan to follow. Teaching children character, teaching them value, teaching them the benefit of hard work and honesty and discipline. These are all things that go toward the training up of a child. And as to giving them everything they want, Jesus asked the question, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? No doubt you remember in the news a couple of years ago, a young man who teenager who got drunk ended up because of a driving accident drunk driving accident killed some others his defense was one of affluence his parents gave him everything he ever wanted and as a result he wasn't himself responsible because he didn't understand the value of things what a terrible terrible way to raise our children. This life has much to offer, but a godly mother looks beyond this life to the next with the goal of seeing her son or daughter not just be successful in this life, but to be able to enter into the gates of heaven and receive a blessing at the hand of the Lord and to hear them say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want of our children? Any godly mother would certainly want the Lord to pour out his blessings upon their children. Whether they're experienced in this life or not is not the real issue. The issue is what they might enjoy in the life to come. Which mother had a greater impact on Moses? The one who gave him everything this world has to offer? Or the one who pointed him to the Lord? Joseph Parker stated, Blessed are the men who have, have had praying mothers. The influence of that fact they cannot shake off. 
They may curse and swear and go to the very boundary of the pit or even into the pit. But I question whether through all their sufferings they can ever shake off the influence of having a praying mother. Yes, a godly mother can have a wonderful, wonderful impact on a child. Let me close with these thoughts. Uh, written by Dr. I.M. Haldeman, who points out the life of Moses is made up of a bunch of striking contrasts. He was the child of a slave and the son of a queen. He was born in a hut and lived in a palace. He inherited poverty and enjoyed unlimited wealth. He was the leader of armies and the keeper of flocks. He was the mightiest of warriors and the meekest of men. He was educated in the court and dwelt in the desert. He had the wisdom of Egypt and the faith of a child. He was fitted for the city and wandered in the wilderness. He was tempted with the pleasures of sin and endured the hardships of virtue. He was backward in speech and yet talked with God. He had the rod of a shepherd and the power of the infinite one. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh and an ambassador from heaven. He was the giver of the law and the forerunner of grace. He died alone on Mount Moab and yet appeared with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. No man assisted in his burial, but God buried him. Moses, a man of contrasts, had the opportunity to be born into a Hebrew family but was raised in the palace, exiled from the land of Egypt at the age of 40. At the age of 80, he returned and declared, let my people go. Known as the greatest leader in the history of Israel, I believe his success can be traced back to a godly mother who feared the Lord more than Pharaoh and did her best to protect him, and then did her best to trust the Lord in allowing God to take over in caring for her son.